the My Cancer, My Choices podcast, a spotlight on men and cancer. Hello, I'm Mandy Barter and I'm the co-founder of a charity called My Cancer, My Choices and we give complementary therapy to people who are undergoing cancer treatment right at the very start of diagnosis. And so today is a podcast about men's health and uh, especially in cancer. So I want to introduce Mark Fawkes, who is the oncology lead nurse at the Berkshire Cancer Centre. Yes, thanks very much, Monday. Yeah, uh, yeah. My uh, my full title, it's massive, is uh, is uh, uh, is uh, Macmillan lead cancer nurse uh, and nurse consultant. So yeah, so I do a bit of a mixed role, really. Okay. Uh, yes. So what is your mixed role? Mixed role. So there's two, there's two elements to my job. As um, the Macmillan lead cancer nurse, that uh, means that I have a strategy, uh, have for the, the raw bots in Reading, I, have a, I take the strategic lead for cancer nursing. So uh, if, looking at things like uh, the, the way patients are looked after, I suppose in, 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 in sort of general terms, I'm responsible for the standard of care for all cancer patients who are admitted to the raw bots. So that would be people who are end up on the breast cancer ward, um, having treatment to people who have a very extensive treatment in the cancer centre. Of course, that's impossible to do. So, you know, I don't know all these people. I don't know why I can see them all. So what in in real terms, what that is, is working with other senior nurses and doctors to make sure that the care is of good standard. So there's that element to my job where I where I advise and and, and work strategically uh, with the trust and also I deal with any sort of like if there's complaints to do with cancer patients or issues then I deal with that and try to troubleshoot that. The other part of my job is a more clinical job which is the nurse consultant bit where uh, I'm a senior nurse who um, sees patients when they're admitted uh, uh, with emergencies relating to cancer. So mm-hmm. I spend sort of a couple of days a week going around on ward rounds seeing patients when they're brought in as an emergency. And those can be patients who have a cancer that we know about and that yeah. we're treating, or it can be patients who have a completely new diagnosis of cancer, who, are, who have a problem brought in and then turn out to have cancer, say because they come in with blood loss or anemia or fall over at home. Uh, so there's yeah the other groups of patients I say are patients who are known to have cancer but are looked after somewhere else. So they might be looked after say at the Royal Marsden or mm-hmm. Oxford or in the private sector somewhere and they come in as an emergency to us. So that's a nice mix in my work between the clinical and the and the and the managerial strategic work. So that's you know suits me down to the ground and quite quite happy to do that sounds busy yeah Yeah, it's really busy the other thing i should say because it would be wrong not to and uh, yukons would be really crossing me if i didn't is that i'm currently a board member uh, and president elect for the uk oncology nursing society which is a the body that represents cancer nurses across the uk so i'm uh, i'm a board member for them and i lead for cancer education cancer nurse education for them so yeah. How long have you been a nurse? How long have I been a nurse? I've been a nurse since January the 3rd, 1988. <laughs> and how long have you been in oncology? I've been in oncology, I think, uh, would be about since 1993. So it's like 26, years? Yeah. yeah, something like that. So, yeah, long time you showed us. Yeah, that is a long time. Mm. And we were talking about that earlier, and obviously you love what you do. I know I do. you love what you do. And why do you love what you do? Why do I love what I do? Um, I think it's a privilege to look after people. I think it's a privilege to look after people with cancer. I think that often people at their best when their back's against the wall. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it's, 
it's it's a really important job because sometimes people feel very isolated in those situations even though people say things oh aren't you brave but people just just get on with it people are not necessarily brave they're just in a position where they cannot do anything else you can't stop you have to you're in a position where you're forced to do your best and I think in those sorts of situations it's really helpful to people to 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 stand by you and I think it's really important that nurses do that and I think that you know even if it's sometimes the circumstances seem desperate when people are very ill and there's perhaps there's no cure for them or then there's always something you can do to help and I really believe that mm-hmm. um, and you know and I think people find that difficult to say oh isn't it a terribly sad thing to be involved in but I don't think it's sad at all mm-hmm. I think it's it's often very privileged often very happy places people regard you know, if you've been on a, a chemotherapy unit, they're not sad places. They're not sad places. No, they're they're places where people are engaged in the business of getting on with it. Yeah. I think that's a, and it's really great to be involved with that. And I get to know my patients, get to know my patients really well. People come back for cancer treatments for many, many years often, mm. increasingly. You know, people have, you know, long periods of treatment. They have, for somebody with breast cancer, for example, might have seven eight different sorts of treat, uh, treatment uh, yeah. as time goes on over many years so and it's really good to be involved in that sort of work we and the reason you're here today because we had a chat one day about uh, men um in cancer yes. and men's health yes and uh, we had just uh, and it was it was great because uh we changed our leaflets yeah. because you said that the perception around complementary therapies, yeah. what we do, is that it's just for women. Yes. And you said that sometimes nurses are just handing out the leaflets just to women. Yeah. So as as a result, Mark, we changed our marketing and yeah. we've now got men's faces on, on some of yeah. the pull-up banners. And, and it's kind of worked, I think, hasn't it? It has. I, I tell you, yeah. this time last year, so in September uh, yeah. last year, we had 12% referrals. Yeah. Um, in September this year, we've had 44%. That's amazing. So that's good. That's, that's really good work. I mean, yeah. that's, if you to get that sort of level of engagement with men is... Very difficult, uh, and other places where I work to close to complementary therapy teams, they've not had anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really great. So mm-hmm. congratulations to you. Well, no, thank you. <laughs> um, mm. And also, also, I suppose in you know encouraging men. And what we found in the charity is that once you've got a, a man through the door, yes, they actually stay for the course of treatment. So we get yes. up to six treatments. Yes. Um, and they, they will stay. Yeah, and um, it's breaking down that barrier, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's it's men are very resistant to seeking help, uh, and there, there's lots of reasons for that. I suspect. Can we go through? through yeah, that, I right? think well, I can. I can tell you what evidence what evidence there is and mm. why why I think that is. Um, sure. So we know that that men approach seeking help in very different ways. Mm. So what you'll find with men is that they they don't tend they tend to report things only when they have to report them mm-hmm. unless somebody makes them very easy for them to report things. So that's one issue. So often if you look at uh, sex adjusted cancer, if you take if you take things like breast cancer, prostate cancer, cervical cancer, uterine cancer out of the mix and, and look at cancers that affect both men and women, you can see that men do much worse than women. Their survival's worse. The way they cope with treatment is worse, and the reason for there's lots of reasons for that, but the main reason is they tend to report don't report symptoms. Mm. 
as, as, as readily as women. And when they do support, report symptoms, often that's later. So that already men have disadvantaged themselves by not reporting symptoms that they might have had for some time. And the reason for that is they think it'll get better. They regard themselves as like, if you admit that there's something going wrong with your body, it's a sign of weakness, mm-hmm. which it obviously isn't. There's something gone wrong, but they mm-hmm. don't, men, I'll say they, I am one of course, um, is that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's much harder for men to report that without seeming weak. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a real real issue. The other thing is that research shows that men, one, when they don't access help from areas like um, cancer information centres, they're very unlikely to walk in to a, a cancer information centre and say, I've got cancer, I've got these problems, can you help me? Less likely to do that. They might access through websites. They might access even through telephone more readily than walking in, mm-hmm. because that's very difficult for them to do. What you'll find is that, is my experience, and I think that at the the, of the Macmillan Cancer Information Centre at work is that they'll that the partners of men will come in and ask, yeah. or families will yeah. ask yeah. rather than the men themselves. Yeah, really. So that so that's mm. fairly uh, typical. Mm. Uh, and I think that uh, um, in order to appeal to men, you have to, people have to, they have to understand that they're not going to be alone. They're not going to be the only man. Mm. That's the other thing. So yeah. I think that's important what you've done. Yeah. I think it's important things like Look Good, Feel Better yes. sessions, which are sessions around sort of traditionally targeted at women yes. about makeup and things like that. But yeah. now we have ones that are targeted towards men. And they're, they're, I went to one of those sessions and they're great. And they're, it's, it's yeah. like, you know, it's not abnormal. You can talk about, you know, I mean, it's not, nice to be able to talk about shaving and things like that and male grooming and mm-hmm. things in a very sort of basic way. But at the same time you're having that, people are talking about their cancer. Exactly. So it feels effortless. And mm-hmm. I think that's what men like. They really like it to feel effortless. <laughs> they don't have to talk about their feelings unless they really, really have to. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's not unusual for men. They don't necessarily, but once they trust people and once they can see that it's something that will work for them, then they'll stick with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what we found. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and there's a certain loyalty as well that men are very loyal. So if you give give them one thing that really works, they'll stick with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what sort of research shows, I think. Um, But it's interesting the way, I mean, men, for example, if you look at melanoma, is that men very unlikely to report report a melanoma, and what you often find is that the, you know where places where men get melanomas often on the back or back of the head or something so it's like tough that. Skin cancer. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. skin cancer. So yeah, but often you rely on partners to report those things, and yeah. even if they did notice that it was there, which they might not, they might report. So that's all right. It's just a, you know, it's just a bowl. Mm. It's just a no. There's just always say. it's just a thing. It will go away, and often it won't get better, will it? Unless people do something about it. What, what, what do you think um, does work in engaging men? Hmm. I think anything group activity will work. Will work. Mm-hmm. Men work in teams. Yeah. We like working in teams. We've been brought up to work in teams. So things like, I think we're going to talk about uh, PSA screening, aren't we? the yeah. lines that offer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think part of the reason why that works so well is that it's a big group of men. Yeah. They're going to turn up. They're going to queue. Yeah. Which we love love queuing because then we can chat and talk about how long the queue is we can talk about various sports teams but we can also while we're doing that talk, it doesn't feel as if we're accessing healthcare it feels like we're doing something different yeah feels like we're approaching it as a as a team we're all in it together and men love all that um and i think that's you have to be able to appeal 
to the, our group sensibility, I think. You have to make it seem as if as well that that you're helping someone else. That's a really big thing with men, I think. Yeah. We all feel it says, I'll, I'll come to this group, but I'll help because others will be there and yes. I'll be able to I'll be able to, to help them in yes. some way. Yeah. Not that I want to go because it will make me feel better, mm. but because I want to help others. Mm. Uh, and that's my experience of looking after men for so long is, is that so, yeah, well, you know, there's always, yeah, yeah, this pain is bad, but not as bad as this other chap's over there. So yeah. you should definitely go and see him first. But okay, I will do that. But what about your pain? Mm. Yeah. So that's how you that's how you appeal to men, getting groups together. Getting groups together, make things easy. Yeah. Make things that you can use technology, internet stuff is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's been a few successes. Is that in things like thing, young men in testicular cancer, we know that they won't go anywhere. They won't go to a place. Yeah. Sort of, but if you if you make it like a, if you were, if you have a chat room or something like that, they're much yeah. more likely to engage in that. And once they're in that chat room, then you can say, "Oh, we could, you know, we could have a group based off that." Then they'll come to that. But they won't walk into a room and have to introduce themselves and talk about testicular cancer straight off the bat. That would be because there's, is there a website called "It's in the Bag"? Yeah. And so again, f- fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah name for a website and yeah. that's going to appeal to yeah and it does and things men. like you know, you know things like they've had lots of uh, let's have a look at a few successful campaigns things like things related to football matches we're talking about testicular cancer awareness yeah. and prostate cancer awareness linked to bowel yeah. cancer awareness linked yeah. to football that's always good um, they've got uh, Movember is a really big yeah, thing because that really appeals to men so sort mm. of the ability to, that sort of health promotion by the back door talking about uh, you know prostate cancer uh, so I think you have to have something that appeals appeals to men's view of the world really which mm. is significantly different than women's view of the world mm. um, um, and I think um, any sort of group activity anything which which would involve technology will will generally I mean the idea that you would sort of like have go to like a garage of some sort and have your body checked out and things like that with a number of short diagnostic tests and it'll tell you whether you've got cancer and what to do about it and we'll crack on with treatment right away it sort of appeals to a man so you don't have to talk about how you might feel with that i mean yeah. that can come later but it's not it's men, men are quite practical like that do you think do you see that men don't perhaps um take up counseling services less or talking therapies less what hmm I think you have to, I think it has to appeal in the right way. I think you're right, they won't. Mm. But I think men will accept psychological support. Yeah. One, if they're very distressed and they can't see a way out of it. And that, I think that, that, uh, that, that men don't like to necessarily talk to their partners about these things. Yeah. So if, you, if you provide a way of doing things and say to them, well, you know, you don't really want to talk to your family about this, maybe you could start by talking to us then that helps. Men find it difficult to access because of the whole feeling feeling as if you're showing weakness, feeling as if you're you know, you're being being soft in some way. Um, which is a real shame, you know. Yeah. It's um, a lot of pressure, isn't it? It is it, 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 it is a lot of a lot of pressure and, 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 and I think that, you know, that it's quite complicated the idea now, it's diffused somewhat recently, but certainly when I was growing up, the idea that you men would be involved with childcare to any sort of degree mm. is, is it was you know there weren't men who were involved in childcare. Yeah, yeah. Now we're much more likely to see men pushing buggies around. Thinks it's a great thing, but I think that's been a gradual change. Well, um, also, maybe and and your role as a as a male nurse. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, 
I don't really, I don't really think about that, but I suppose you're right. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the greatest cards, one of the best thank you cards I ever had was uh, somebody who I used to work regularly on our chemotherapy unit, and uh, and I got a card through says uh, on the ward which says to all the angels on the chemotherapy unit and the bald headed bloke. <laughs> Because I couldn't obviously, I obviously couldn't be an angel, because I'm not an angelic sort of person. But I was quite happy to have this indistinct role, and I think that's, I think that's quite, that's quite telling uh, that people don't be unsure what I'm doing some yes, of the time. Yeah. I mean, they they realise that the existence of nurses who are men, but is this one? I don't know. Have you been called an angel? No, I've never been called an angel <laughs> ever. Lots of my colleagues have, obviously, female uh, colleagues, but yeah. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just not that angelic. Well. Well, mm. I think that idea of being something a little bit different is kind of quite help, helpful. Really right? helpful, yeah, because it sort of breaks down yeah. those stereotypes, doesn't it? And I think, I, I think often it's easier for me to approach men, I think. It's hard to know because I, I don't have, I can't really see it from the other way, but... But I think I, I'm. It's it, it's nice for men to meet meet another man, perhaps. De- definitely. In that circle, yeah. no circle. No, I can see that that would be really helpful. Yeah. Really helpful. Yeah. So uh, we had um, John from the Lions yes. um, this morning talking on the yeah. podcast and talking about the PSA test and about and uh, just as you said, getting a, a group. In fact, mm. quite a large group of uh, men. Uh, I think the last time that they ran this was over mm. two thousand people. Yes, it's a it's a it's a big old thing. Yes, it's a big old thing. And um, and you were were saying about sometimes the, you know the results can be a bit complex with PSA tests. But what what's yes. your thoughts? Well, my thoughts around PSA testing are I, I can certainly understand the appeal of it. Yeah. And I, I really don't. I wouldn't criticise the Lions for providing. Mm. I think there were problems with the test itself. I think yeah. it, 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 it can throw up a lot of... There are th- lots of things that can make your PSA go up, yeah. other than cancer, basically. Yes. Yeah. So that's one issue. So if you have an infection, or you've had some trauma, or, or, or you've got other issues, health issues, they, they can send your PSA up. Yeah. So what you tend to get with PSA testing, some of the positive results of high PSA testings are not cancer. Yeah. So that what we call in uh, health are like a false positive. So mm-hmm. you get, oh, the PSA is raised, is it cancer? So that's one issue. So you, can, you could argue that people will be worried for no reason. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that many PSA, you can have a raised PSA and you can even have a prostate cancer that's very early mm-hmm. before it even causes symptoms. But then you're left with a problem that what do you do with that cancer? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue very clearly that once the person's aware there's cancer there, they'll be looking out for other symptoms. Mm-hmm. But then you've got a problem of, like, you've got to investigate lots of people who haven't got cancer and even people with very early cancers where you don't really have a way of treating that and you might want to over-treat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, given if you operate on people like that, you might cause all sorts of symptoms. So, so there's a balancing act for health. Mm-hmm. For, for, and that's probably the reason why there isn't a formal NHS sort of screening around PSA testing right. because it does it's it, it, even though it's a bit oversensitive as a test okay so that's a reason why there isn't although I don't kind of really understand why people and, and there is an appeal for men getting together and doing these big pushes and get, turning up and doing their PSA mm-hmm. uh, uh, my urology surgeon colleagues would say well we now have got all these people who yeah. come through the door most of which won't have cancer mm-hmm. or a significant number of them won't have cancer uh, that we now have to investigate um, what I would say is that uh, I make an appeal to people uh, that men also have a view that as they get older and they say they're getting up in the night three or four times to pee, 
that's just a sign of getting older. Mm-hmm. It isn't. You do need to get that checked yeah. out. Yeah. If you've got any symptoms like difficulty stopping and starting peeing, uh, you should definitely get that sorted out. Any symptoms and any, certainly any blood in the, in the urine, you should definitely go and see your GP. Mm-hmm. So, so if any urinary frequency feelings that you have to go much more frequently than you were before, yeah. peeing, then you should go to your GP. I would make that appeal. It's not a sign of just getting older. Yeah, it's a sign that you might have prostate cancer. And there are other things that cause those things. There are. The prostate, if you left it long enough, would get bigger by itself. Yeah. And you get benign enlargement of the prostate. And those mm-hmm. can call those symptoms, but you need to get it checked out because yeah. there's a difference in where you treat those things. Mm-hmm. And prostate cancer is a very treatable Ill, 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 illness. You can have good treatments yeah. uh, uh, for prostate cancer, and, and many people do very well with it. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a death sentence. Yeah, no. In fact, I think um, cancer research says it's 84% of men will leave... Uh, Ten years, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a very treatable illness, yeah. and there is also research that if they did a big postmortem study, which said that if you look at look at sort of um, check people's prostate who are over eighty years old when they die, you'll find a significant proportion of them have prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it tends to be a cancer that you that you get as you get older, and you might have it, you know, might not know about it, and it won't cause you any symptoms, and you die from something else. Mm. So there is that. Doesn't mean that you get complacent about it. If you get that prostate cancer at an earlier age, you should definitely do something about it. Yeah. Uh, and there is things you can do. Is there um, is there an age where you start to think around this now with with men? Well, I think that well, once certainly once you get above fifty, you mm-hmm. should definitely consider it. I'm an age group that I'm knowing myself, but I think that if you what we do know is that if you start to, if you get prostate cancer at an earlier age it can be more aggressive mm-hmm. so i wouldn't discount for people from the age of 50 who get symptoms reporting to the gp even younger than that mm-hmm. uh, and i haven't looked after people with prostate cancer in their 30s and 40s right. so it can happen yeah. it's quite unusual but it can mm-hmm. happen yeah uh, and i say it's all about symptoms really it's, it's the symptoms yes yeah, the symptoms at. you definitely need to report them as with so many other things i mean the other big killer of men in, in the world of cancer is colorectal cancer mm-hmm. and men are often slow to report sort of you know rectal bleeding trouble with their bowels they don't they don't not used to talking about these issues and feel mm-hmm. embarrassed about doing that and they really should go to so anything to do with changing bowel habits certainly bleeding from your back passage you definitely need to go and see your doctor yeah, yeah. so changes in bowel habit bleeding anything else uh, cramping pain weight loss all of these symptoms are, are you know can be signs of bowel cancer uh, but just like quite subtle changes you know constipation that you've not had before diarrhea that you've not had before always mm. also needs reporting any kind of uh, period of time with those um i think that if you if you have a change in bowel habit that goes on for more than a few weeks you should definitely go to your gp mm. certainly even one episode of rectal bleeding don't discount it go and see your doctor because people thought it might be piles well it might be but it might be something else as well and even if it was piles you might need them looking at yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so i'll say never discount bleeding from any part of the body really no. it's a bad sign yeah you should absolutely. definitely definitely do deal, deal with a very that. obvious sign it won't go away by itself often and what do you think, Mark? Because obviously we've introduced the complementary therapy service um, over the last uh, four years. Mm. Um, we've had we have a, had more intake now with with men. Do you think um, would you would you support the idea of men going? Of course, yeah, I would absolutely support it. I think that um, 
I think there's lots of evidence. The evidence is quite rich to say that anybody, not men, or anybody yeah. who has cancer, uh, who has complementary therapies, it will automatically increase the quality of their life. Mm-hmm. It will make them, it, them it's something. It, we did, uh, I did, uh, somebody from West Berkshire asked me for uh, some data about what the main concerns were about people in West Berkshire, and about fourth or fifth in was like access to complementary therapies. Mm-hmm. So but it's something our patients want and something yeah. that we definitely need to provide. It's about, it's not something that's based on illness, is it? It's based upon on wellness. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's if we really believe that people have, should have a holistic approach to the way we look after people with cancer, and I do believe that, yeah. that we need to provide a whole range of things, mm. uh, complementary therapies being one of them, mm. psychological care yeah. being another. Yeah. Um, I think you could also argue things like accessing sort of accessing relaxation therapy and things like that or other other uh, there's a whole range of things we can provide certainly there's a massive amount of evidence now that engaging in physical activity can yeah. have lots of positive yeah. effects so that's yeah. another thing so we i think we're in we've gone beyond just giving people drugs mm. i think well, obviously drugs and radiotherapy are important yeah. aren't they obviously they are than the mainstay of what we do but there's lots of things we can do outside of yeah. that and it actually empowers people because yeah. they can do yeah. it for themselves and it takes yeah. back that control and you can teach people can't you you yeah. can teach people to do things which they you know self care is really important really, yeah really important uh, make people feel independent mm. um so, 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 so yes, I, I absolutely believe uh, complementary therapies is something we should be offering alongside, uh, a, 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 alongside more traditional therapies. The other thing is that we're now in a position because cancer care has been successful over the last twenty years. We're now in a position. We passed it a couple of years ago, eighteen months ago, where. 50% of people will survive more than five years with cancer. That's really good. I mean, that's an excellent. So we do, we were treating, so more than half people will 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 live through their cancer. Mm-hmm. But that means that you've got a whole set of people who have lived with a cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. who might have, still have cancer, but are living with it, mm-hmm. that we need to do something with them. And, and, and I think we need to support those people and having complementary therapies and other sorts of things they can do for themselves is really really valuable Mm -hmm. these people don't want to be and don't need to be coming to Mm -hmm. hospital do they they need to be Mm -hmm. looking after themselves but knowing what the signs are of when their cancer might become more active Mm -hmm. if it does so they need to be able to come back to us so a lot of our efforts are based around that and i think that's i think that complementary therapies and other sorts of non-traditional therapies are exactly the right thing to do Mm -hmm. it's a way forward yes indeed lovely Mark, thank you ever so much. No, it's a real pleasure. Thank you, for, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. This was a My Cancer, My Choices production. Complimentary therapy from us to you. For more information, visit mycancermychoices.org.